One, two, three, four, five. Excellent. Here's what I want you to I want everybody to be praying, and I am uh, admonishing the ladies' prayer on Tuesday night, open prayer on Wednesday morning, chain breakers on Wednesday evening, uh, Grace College will on Thursday evening, and men's breakfast at 9 o'clock on Saturday. We'll do the same. We will take at least five minutes or so in each one of those meetings to pray specifically for the move of God and the removal of any obstacle or hindrance of the next weekend. Okay? So all of you that are in charge of those deals, you've just been commanded. <clears throat> Let loose on those in those times together. And uh, I just believe God's going to blow us up next week. We're not going to know up from down, inside from out. It's just going to be incredible. Praise God. There's a lot of stuff getting ready to happen, as it does every year this time of season. But um, I want you to be aware of some things that you want to Make sure to have on your calendar, and Taryn will be sending this stuff out in your emails. If you don't get uh, emails from her, just see her or fill out one of the cards that are in the back. We want to make sure that you're getting any of the information uh, about that. But uh, two weeks from today is our family day, and so we will be having donuts and sugar and coffee from 9 to 9.30. And then at 9.30, we're going to have Sunday school for all ages including the adults, and then our worship service will start at 10.30, and that will be the last family day that way for hopefully ever, because we're going to be starting in October the 10th. We're going to go three Sundays where we have Sunday school from 9.30 to 10.30, and then the last Sunday of the month is going to be family day where we'll have sugar and donuts at 10 o'clock in fellowship with one another, and then our service at 10.30. And so our kiddos are going to have all kinds of things every week. And if you just glance in the doors of the education wing, you can see that Cheryl and the team are already getting ready. It's going to be a great fall for them. And uh, we're looking forward to what God does for that. The other thing that I wanted to mention to you before I go into the word of the Lord is uh, part of the network that my wife and I are involved in and even some of our leaders are involved in is called Destiny Leaders Ministries. And uh, we are honored to host uh, their leadership conference on October 1st and 2nd. It's a Friday night and Saturday. And then Dr. Brassfield, who's the director of that ministry, will be here on Sunday. And uh, I had to laugh. He, he said the text to me, he said, uh, did you still want me to preach on Sunday? I wanted to, I, I almost got a little sarcastic with him, but I said, yes. <laughs> Uh, because I've told, uh, there's two people in this world that if they ask me to take our pulpit, I'm very protective of this, but there's two people if they ask me to step in, it would be him and Pastor Super. And uh, I consider both of them my pastors. There's, those are people who I'm accountable to. And so he's going to be here on the third. And if you missed the last time he preached about light, how many remember that message? Incredible. And so he's going to be here on the third. But the one thing I wanted to mention to you today is... Destiny has done something different with their uh, Connect conference for that weekend. And I'm sorry about all these announcements, but we just got so much happening. On that Friday evening at 6.30, they are having uh, what we in the church used to call rallies, which was simply a service. We're going to come. Our praise team is going to lead us in worship, and he's going to preach. And so you don't need to be a leader. You don't need to be registered for the conference. 
to be a part of that service. We want you all to come and be a part. It's just another opportunity for us to hear another voice, another spirit, another anointing. And so we want to encourage you on Friday the 1st of October at 6.30. It'll be a little over an hour service. And uh, then those of us that are registered for the conference, there's an after party after the service, but the service is open for everybody. And so we want to encourage you, and you'll hear more about that coming up. Praise God. And then what's been happening in my house the last 24 hours is Christmas music. The first Saturday and Sunday of December will be our Christmas concert. And I forget the dates. I think it's either the 3rd or the 4th or the 4th or the 5th, one of the two. But it's that Saturday evening and Sunday afternoon. Our Christmas concert will be coming up. Praise God. Amen. Uh, before I put our chart up on the screen, I want to, some of you have been trying to guess for the last eight weeks what the S words were that we've been preaching on. And uh, at the beginning of this season, I was wondering the same thing myself. Because the Lord gave me the first one and he gave me the last one. I've been sitting on today's message for several weeks. Um, because I knew it was supposed to be the last Sunday that I was going to, to speak on this subject for this season. And so um, there's all kinds of words out there. Spirit, I could preach on the spirit. We need to have the spirit. Stewardship, uh, I don't preach on that very often, maybe once or twice a year. But stewardship of our finance and our talents and our giftings and our time and our resources, all those things, that's important. I could, have preached, I could have preached on service because service is very important. There's all kinds of words that I could have used to preach, but today I want to preach on the last one. You can put that up for me now. And that is the word sealed. Sealed. We started with surrender. We moved with submission. Sight, what are you looking at? Sound, what are you listening to? Salt, sacrifice, being in sync. Last week we talked about scars for sanctification. And today I want to talk about being sealed by God. Now, uh, just before we open the word of the Lord, I want to let you know that in Scripture, numbers tend to mean things. And... Uh, I, I believe that to a great extent they do. Well, the number nine, it seems to promote, if you will, divine completion. All through the scripture, if you read it, when the, the, the number nine comes across, it has to do with uh, a, a number of divine completion. Now, the number seven is the number of perfection, but this is the number of completion. I believe that God did not accidentally, because... He did not give me this full picture when we started. In fact, when I started preaching that this series, I didn't look at it as a specific week-to-week -week deal. I, I was just, the Lord gave me to preach on surrender. And so I began to preach on it. And then I realized that he began to do something bigger in me that I needed to share with you. And it just so happened that it was lined up with the time that Pastor Super was going to be with us. And because of that, then I began to look and I realized that God was setting us through this thing that we have called our boot camp, where we adjusted, where we have been adjusting. We will continue to adjust what we're doing. 
and we've taken these different topics and we've preached on them in order to prepare our hearts and our spirits. Now, if you've missed some or if you're new here today if, or if you're a guest here today, just because you didn't get the previous ones doesn't mean you're not ready for this one. I don't think God does anything by accident. I don't think you're here by accident. I think God had a divine intervention or a divine appointment for you today. And I believe that God is going to speak to you. And so, uh, but we did all of this as a church to get our church ready, the body of Christ ready, if you will, for what God is getting ready to open up. We've called it unlocking a new dimension. I believe there's something that's happening in the spirit that after next week, we're not going to be walking the same way, talking the same way, worshiping the same way, teaching or preaching the same way. Something is going to break in this house Amen. next week and usher us into something that's brand new. Amen. And the Lord is starting to give clarity to some of that. I'm excited for three weeks from now to preach, or two weeks from now to preach to you about it. But things are beginning to happen. And so as I was getting and started realizing that this is what he was doing, he revealed to me this subject for today. Because today is the day of our completion of boot camp. Divine completion. And, and the thing is, is those of you that are here for the very first time, if you know the if you know the Bible at all, there's a parable in there that has the story of the workers that God hires or the, the landowner hires at 6 a.m. at noon at 5 3 p.m. at 5 p.m. and they all get the same thing. Well, some of you are the 5 p.m. workers today, and this is the first time you're here, but you're going to get ready to get the same thing all of us have. Praise God. So if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to read three passages of Scripture, and then I'm going to get into the Word of the Lord, and I'm going to try to preach quickly. So listen quickly. If I sense you're not listening, I may go longer. Just teasing. But I believe that the Lord has something specific to do at the close of this service that I need to leave plenty of time for him, obviously, to do what I believe he's laid on our hearts to do. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 1, I want to just read verse 13 and 14. In the King James Version, it says, In whom you also trusted... After that, you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. After you believed, you were sealed. That's powerful. Uh, over in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse number 22 says this. Who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. I, I want you to catch this here in the, in the presence of God. And, and that is simply that he is the one who seals us. There is a seal that's placed on your spirit and your heart today, and it's getting ready to be uh, 
revealed to you in, in the second uh, book of Second Timothy, one last verse today, and then I'll try to tie this all together for you. Second Timothy chapter two. Verse number 19. It says this. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. Trisha already mentioned this today. The Lord knows them that are his. We are his. And the seal upon us is that he knows who you are. Can I tell somebody today that you are sealed, not with something that is necessarily tangible, but you are sealed by God because he knows who you are. He knows what you have been through. He knows the decisions that you have made and the decisions that you have ignored. He knows the troubles that you have walked through and he knows the seas that you have crossed. He knows the mountains that you have climbed and the valleys that you have walked through, and today he declares to you, I know who you are. That is my seal of approval. You see, there is something in Scripture. Darius felt sorry for me the last few weeks. Thank you, sir. There is something about a seal that you and I don't necessarily know about until right now today, until you go and get your real ID. Oh, yeah. I dare any of you to try to get your real or your enhanced identification from DMV without a birth certificate that has the actual seal on it. My brother-in-law thought he had his birth certificate. I asked him if it was on parchment paper. <laughs> he said, no. I said, well, then it's a copy. But if you go in and you hand that to them, they will not accept it as identification if it doesn't have the seal of the state that you were born in. There's some because the seal of your birth certificate is what identifies who you are and where you came from. Somebody's got to catch this today. When you are born of the Spirit, He has sealed you. He has stamped you. He has identified you from whence you are coming. You may have been something else in a previous life. Your old nature may be something different, but when you come to Jesus, he removes the old seal and he puts the seal of who he is on you. And that's the reason why the Bible said that when we are buried with him in baptism, we have put on Christ. You are no longer a child of your earthly father and your earthly mother, but you have become a child of Almighty God. And that seal upon you gives you power and authority to tread on serpents, to walk humbly before your God, to be powerful and full anointing, to move in the areas of the heavenlies. I'm telling you something. This church is going to be sealed by the presence of God. You see, we don't 
But if you go back into biblical days and even into the historical days, the way that you identified authenticity was by the seal that was applied. So if you got a letter from somebody, if it didn't have the seal of the writer of that letter, you weren't supposed to accept it as authentic. It, because the, the seal was meant to be a mark that proved or, con or confirmed the authenticity of who you are. Let me just tell you something. The devil has been whispering to some of you that you are nothing, that you are just the, the mud under somebody's shoes, that you are not worth anything, that you have made so many mistakes you have tripped and fallen so many times. You have committed so many sins that it's not even worth it to try to come to God. My friend, I come to you today to tell you that he is a liar, that he is the father of lies, that he doesn't understand what you are or who you have become because Jesus has sealed you. And he has claimed that you are authentic in the spirit world. Don't let anybody or any spirit, or any voice tell you that God doesn't know who you are. It's his seal. It's the foundation of the kingdom that he knows us, and he has called us. I, I found it interesting as I studied out this word seal or seals. It, the, the first line in Vine's word dictionary for Greek words was that it meant this. It meant to be marked for security from Satan. There is that every security system company will tell you to do when you are trying to secure a facility. And that is simply this, post a sign saying that you're covered. Well, I just have to tell you that when Jesus seals us, the Bible says it this way. It says that he is our banner. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is our banner. When we are sealed by him in the spirit realm, there is a banner that goes up and it is broadcast to every nook and cranny of our enemy's kingdom. And it's waving and it's blowing with the winds of the Holy Ghost and it's identifying you can try to enter but know that you're under surveillance. Know that we're watching. Know that we're keeping our hand, our hand of protection. Listen, if you're dealing with stuff, the majority of the time, it's because God is trying to do something in you and form you and shape you because the Bible says that nothing's going to get to us other than that which he allows to get to us. So if we're dealing with something and we've been sealed by his spirit, we can rest assured that he is protecting us. So he's teaching us. He's trying to form us. 
He's trying to make us. I, I learned this a long time ago. I learned that we give Satan way too much credit. And if the Lord tarries and doesn't change course, I'm gonna that'll be on your Wednesday night broadcast dealing with some spiritual warfare issues. But did you know that Satan is not omnipresent? You know, he's not at every church today. He's not. Now there's the spirit of the world, there's the spirit of the enemy. And, and there's that kind of stuff that kind of just floats around. But Satan is not omniscient, he's not omnipresent, he's not omnipowerful. He is impotent. He is defeated. He has been sealed by God. When he said on the ninth hour, it is finished.
When you own a company, you take all the risks. You take all, the owner takes all the risks. The business is going to sink or swim based on the risk aversion of the owner. And if the owner is riskier, there's a better chance maybe that it'll take place. If they're a little bit less averse to risk, they'll be very safe and they'll maybe only grow to a certain amount and they'll only be, maybe be able just to do this or that. But when you have somebody that is a risk taker because the employee has no risk, the employee is not worried about paying the bills. The employee is only concerned with two things. Doing what I'm supposed to do as the employer or the employee and receiving my wages at the end of the week. That's all most employees. Now, I know some of you like to think that you're a little bit better and you want the best for the company in it. <laughs> but if it came down to it and your boss came in and said you got to work free for the next six months because we don't have the money to pay you, will you do it? The owner will have to. Listen, the owner takes the risk. Our God takes all the risks. It's not risky living for Jesus. It's not risky being one of his children. Oh, yes, we may have to face some ridicule. We may have to face some challenge. We may have to face some stepping on our toes and injustices in this world. But the problem is we're not of this world. We are strangers and foreigners in the world. I am not from the kingdom of this world. I have been born into the kingdom of another. I have been born into the kingdom of Almighty God. And where God is the owner, he has sealed me. And all of my risk has been put on his shoulders. I don't know what that does for you, but it makes me want to worship a little bit more. It makes me want to praise a little bit more. It makes me want to serve a little bit more. this thing out with Come on. There is, I sense, the power <laughs> and the presence of Almighty God. Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, 
will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. Okay, God, that sounds good. Can't wait till that day. He said, well, why wait? I'm telling you, God has flipped me on the my head over the last several weeks. And, and those of you that are in uh, Grace College, you get the brunt of it, uh, uh, which is a good thing. But there was something as we were going through the book of John and tying it together with what he's doing here as a whole. Do you understand that you are already living your eternal life? Now, that was a revelation to me. And I've been in this thing since I was born. 1970. Started attending church regularly about 74 when my grandmother finally got on my dad's case long enough to get me to church regularly. So from 1974 till today, I don't know if there is more than one week that I've missed some kind of a service. I want you to think of that. I've been in church at least once a week, probably since 1974. And if you spread out the average, it's probably three times a week. I don't say that to most because when I was a kid, I didn't want to go to church that often. But my pastor didn't care. And so we had church on Tuesday night. That was Bible study. That was a relief for us kids because that wasn't for us. We went to Bible hour and hung out with all the kids. Thursday night was church. My dad was the youth pastor Friday night, so I was with him. Saturday was Bible student church, and so dad felt like we needed to support since we were members of the church. So every so often, every other week or so, we'd show up at Bible College Church on Saturday night. And then Sundays, we had church from 10 to 11 with Sunday school, 11 until whenever Pastor Saban decided to stop preaching on Sunday morning. I'd say 12, but I'd be lying. It was probably more like 12.30, 12.45 when he finally got done. And then we would come back for choir practice at 4.30 or 5 o'clock. And we would have choir practice. And then we would have church that started at 8 o'clock on Sunday nights. And we as kids, we fasted and prayed every Sunday afternoon that Pastor Satan wouldn't preach Sunday night. <laughs> because you think I'm long-winded. We prayed for Frank Sanders, Neil Bollinger, Ray Clapper, any of them could preach and we'd be excited about it because we'd get home by 10. You take the average of my life and the whole time I thought my eternal life was yet to come. I have missed out on 40 some odd years of living my eternal life for today. Because when you are born again, the Bible says it this way, when you are buried with him in baptism, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God, even so you also should walk in newness of life. When you are in the newness of life, 
that is life eternal. We begin our eternal life here on earth. What does that mean? That means I have been sealed by something that has eternal ramifications, which means I can, by the authority of God, begin to walk and begin to claim some of the promises of that kingdom for today. He, he encouraged us, admonished us to pray the following prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. My friend, it is our opportunity to bring heaven to earth and to manifest the concepts of heaven to the kingdom of God in a spiritual fashion right now in 2021. It's the reason why there's going to be healings and signs and wonders and outpourings of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. There's going to be lives changed, marriages reunited, prodigals coming home. It's going to be amazing. Why? Because his kingdom is coming. Come on. At the end of the book of Revelation, John says something that we, we, we have misunderstood, I think. Because if there's one thing that I have learned about the Apostle John, is that he doesn't write things with one meaning. Almost everything he writes has two or three meanings to it. And so at the end of the book of Revelation, when he said, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. I don't know that John was for sure calling the rapture to come, coming for Jesus to come again. I, I, I just I have to believe that there was another meaning to it. Jesus, in 2021, show up today. Be with me today. Come quickly. I work today. I need to have a ready answer. I need to have a prompted word for my boss. I need a co-worker who has to have a word from you, not just from me, but from you. Well, that was awful free. Pergamos. Pergamos means this. It means a compromising church. A church that expresses its faith on one hand, but accommodates the world on the other and so the Lord begins to speak through John. And he says, I've got some things against you because you've become a compromising church. And in verse 17, he says, repent. And, and, and in verse uh, 15, it says, you become a stumbling block. Can I just tell you that pricks my heart today that there are churches in the world that have become so center-lined walking, trying to walk on both sides of the fence, the fence of heaven and the fence of the earth. Can I tell you that the hour of trying to acquiesce and accommodate the spirit of this world has got to come to an end? And churches all over this world need to stand up one more time and says, thus says, the word of the Lord. I've got, I've got something in my heart from God that says what we have been doing for the last eight weeks and now ninth week is we are trying to, God is trying to get our attention to tell us to step away from the things of this world. Yes. Can I tell you what I see in that? 
Let me just be your pastor for just a second. And let me tell you, all through the COVID experience, the thing that drove me the craziest online was all of the people that would begin to fight and begin to argue over this and that and things that weren't and weren't important. And, 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 and one believes this and another believes that. Can I tell you, let me share to you with what Pastor Kevin Wallace said. He said it this way. He said, I know it was of a demonic spirit because it keeps moving. One time it was black versus white. The next time it was uh, pandemic versus non-pandemic. The next thing it was vaccine against unvaccinated. Let me just tell you, whether or not you get the vaccine or you don't get the vaccine, that's between you and your God. Here's what I'm trying to tell somebody. Don't get twisted up, tied up, and tangled up with the division of this world, but get your eyes on Jesus. Come to me, all you that are 
church of Pergamos, though, what the Bible says, what Jesus, this is red letter. This is what Jesus says. I'm going to give to them that overcome. What do they need to overcome? I'll tell you what the church needs to overcome. Church needs to overcome the fence. I'm all in. We've been preaching it for eight weeks. Are you surrendered? Are you submitted? Are you looking at the right thing, hearing the right thing? Are you sacrificing? Are you insane? What have I been preaching? I have been preaching. I am all in God. Because when we get that mindset, the Bible says that we become overcomers in him. And then notice what he says. The very first thing he says, I'm going to give to the overcomer, the hidden manna. The hidden manna. Listen, that's not going to be revealed in heaven. The hidden manna is for today. The hidden manna is for this very hour. He's wanting to give you sustenance. He's wanting to lift you up. Listen, here's what, here's what I found about this. The hidden manna, according to the Jew, was provision that is kept in heavenly temple for the food of angels and the blessed of God. Woo! I love a good steak. I take that back. I'm not real big on steak unless it's prime rib. I'm more of a chicken guy. But as you can well see, I enjoy a meal or two. But can you just imagine being supplied with manna from a heavenly temple? <sighs> there was something that was given to me as a young child. And I have shared this before, but we've got so many new people. We had something in our Sunday school called Christian Habits. How many of you ever remember that? Did you maybe have done something like that? There's some, some of you raised in my church, so I know you had it. And then we got this little piece of paper about this big by this big, and it had our name, and then it had the week's date, and then underneath it, it had read the word and pray. And then on the bottom, it had a memory verse. And, you, and if you read your Bible every day, you prayed every day, you put a check mark next to it, and if you could quote the verse when you came back to Sunday school the next Sunday, you got a star on your chart. And when you got enough stars on your chart, you got a prize. Can I just tell you that that exercise put into me something that I did not realize because I started praying and reading the Bible and memorizing the scripture not to get closer to God. I wanted a gold star. I'm a little bit competitive. There's something that, I mean, we, I mean, Jason tried to beat me in, 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 in the bag game, Cornhole, and, and he thought they were going to win, and I had, I couldn't even use my good hand. I wasn't going to let him win. Because <laughs> I'm a little competitive. And so I learned those scriptures. I, my grandfather challenged me. He said, if you can quote the books of the Bible backwards, I'll give you $50. I said, I'll have it ready next week. Now you know how it gets me. <laughs> so he called me up. 
I thought he was going to make me call. He was the Sunday school superintendent, so I thought he was going to call me into the office and have me quoted to him, and then he'd give me the $50. No, that's not the way my family works. I told you we had church from 10 to 11. Well, at 11, it was supposed to be worship, but instead, Grandpa Frank got up and called me out of the crowd. And in front of three or four hundred people, he said, now can you do it? And I took his challenge. And I did it. And I didn't leave the pulpit until he forked over the money. Because I knew if I left the platform without the cash, it was not going to get into my pocket. I said all that to say this. God is getting ready to indulge us, not simply by the reading of the word and prayer, but heavenly hidden manna from heaven, the food that the angels partake in, the food that those that have gone on before have partaken in. We're getting ready to be fed with the food from heaven, the hidden manna of God. There are things that we will not be able to even understand. But once it begins to come into our bodies, we are going to understand that it's simply that food from heaven. Manna from heaven. I don't know how that will manifest. Because I think it's going to manifest in each one of us. Because for some of us, we don't like some kind of tastes. And God knows that. So I think God may give some of us steak and some of us beans and some of us pizza. I don't know what's all up in there. All I know is this. The Greek word for manna is manna. <laughs> it's just that in the Greek they take one in out. It's hidden. It's from God. Listen. I can read the Bible and I can pray till I'm blue in the face, but I'm only going to get fed so much. But when the word of God comes alive from heaven and the manna from heaven starts falling in my life and I start consuming it, I don't know where it may be in the middle of the street. It may be as I'm shopping. All of a sudden, something's going to hit me. It's going to fall from heaven and I'm going to absorb it and I'm going to consume it and it's going to be manna. It's going to be incredible. And then notice what he does in, in, in this verse here in 17. I will give him a white stone and in the stone a new name that is written. No man knows the new, the new name except he that receiveth it. Listen, I'm not going to know your new name. That's between you and God. But he's going to give each one of us a white stone. And so I asked God, I said, that's cool, God. I can't wait to get up there and receive that. And he says, why not now? Listen, I know that this is going to be symbolic over the next couple of minutes. But the water that we're baptized in in this church is Coon Rapids public water. There's nothing magical about it. But symbolically, when you go down in the waters of baptism and you come up, you have buried your old man, you have taken on a new name, and you became taken on a new nature. Yes. 
your name changes when you come out, out of the waters of baptism. And the reason why we don't understand this is because we don't talk like this as Americans. But the way that the biblical days especially, the way that they introduce people is Bradley, I was going to say Brad, and Brad, both of you, and, uh, and they would say, I, I don't even know your dad's name, so I'm going to take my name. I'll take Taryn. It would be Taryn Ben Terry, not the ice cream. <laughs> that was what her name would be. When she would introduce herself, it would be Terry Ben Terry. Taryn, the son of Terry. Taryn, the son of Terry. But when you come up out of the waters of baptism, there is a name that comes onto you. And you are no longer Taryn Ben Cherry. She became Taryn Ben Jesus. I, I'm telling you something. When you get a new name written down in glory, it's all yours. No. I am the son of the one who rose again. My name is no longer Tim Ben Franklin Sanders. My name is Tim Jesus Christ. I am the son of the one who rose again and buried with him in baptism. I have taken on a new name and a new nature. So symbolically today, the Lord directed me, I believe, in prayer to have a white stone. So I went to where I thought there were a lot of rocks. And I went to Home Depot. And I went and I looked for some white rocks. And all of them were rough. And all of them had chalk dust on it. Because I'd pick a little bit up and it'd be all over my clothes. And I said, well, God, I can't do that. I can't use that kind of a stone. What do I do? He said, read the scripture a little closer. Oh, Home Depot's not in there, God? <laughs> I'm so disappointed. There is a description of the stone. It's called white stone. But that word white is not designed as a color. That, this, that word white there is not what you and I would classify as white. It is simply, it means light and bright and brilliant. And it always signifies celebration, innocence, and purity. And so I said, okay, well, that's nice, God. That doesn't help me with the stones. I still, he goes, keep reading. So I began to look up the stone. The stone in this particular passage isn't just some random rock sitting on the side of the road. This stone, by, by Greek definition, is a smooth stone polished by water. A smooth, brilliant, light stone polished by water. So I said, okay, now I know where to go. Hobby Lobby, here I come. <laughs> I said, God, what does this mean? 
he looked at the apostle Simon and he said no longer will your name be Simon but it will be Petra which means rock for upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Whoa. I said, God, what are you doing to me? Whoa. You're messing with me right now. He said, no, no, no. He said, listen. He said, when the rock is placed into your life, the rock that is smoothed out by the waters of baptism, when you come up from that water, you will become the rock that the foundation of the church is built on. Not taking the role of Simon Peter, but because you have become a part of the building that is fitly framed together. And Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone and the apostles and prophets being the foundational stones. But all of us are a part of the kingdom of God. We are part of the building that's fitly framed together. He told me, he said this, and in my spirit, he said, he said, I want you to understand that symbolically a white stone means that you are entering into a season of celebration of innocence and of purity Whoa. by the power of the waters of baptism Woo. and the things that you have begun to do. He has been sealing us. And when we are sealed with him, he is identifying us as authentic and pure and righteous. And so he says symbolically, it comes with a white polished stone. Whoa. I said, okay, God. How does that manifest itself on Sunday? You can't just drop this in my lap. Whoa! He said this. Dig a little deeper. So I dug. And did you know that the stones that were mentioned in Revelation chapter 2, it's not the first time that it's kind of mentioned. It's not only mentioned in Scripture, but it's meant in, in, in manners and Jews, the way that the Jews operated, the Israelites operated, and what they would do is they would use stones as means of communication with one another. And so what would happen is when you gathered in a social setting, people would come with a pocket full of stones, and they would begin to hand stones out to one another. And if they handed you a white stone, it meant that you were in the spirit of the festivities. You were in the spirit of celebration. You were in the, everything was going look good. You were rejoicing. But if you handed from another pocket a black stone, you were letting the person across from you know that you were going through a season of calamity. That you were dealing with some tragedy and struggle. And so the person, without even sharing what was going on, that person understood what you were dealing with, whether you were in a good place or a not-so-good place. And God began to speak to me. He said, when you begin to hand out a white stone to your people, no. huh, they are entering no. into a season of celebration and victory and good times and fulfilling times and the times of calamity are going to be put away and the power from on high is going to come. I said, God, that's awesome. He said, I'm not done yet. Now, now i got to tell you, when I say that God, this is an inside conversation that I'm having. 
Okay, he didn't stick his head out of the clouds and start to I'd freak out if he did that. So he began to speak to me and I began to, and all of a sudden the light bulb would go on and I'd dig a little bit deeper. And did you know that the stone is symbolic of the judicial system of the days of old? And a judge would not use a gavel to come to attention. Or would he would not, in order to pass guilt or not guilt, what he would do is he would sit there in the judicial system and he would do this. If you were found not guilty, he would place a white stone up on top and he would declare that person to be a not guilty, acquitted of all charges. But if you put a black stone up there, it would condemn them and to sentence them to their punishment. My friend, God is trying to tell somebody that this church is getting ready, if it hasn't already started, to enter into a season of being declared not guilty. Yes. They're taking the condemnation away, taking the guilt away. Therefore, now there is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. We walk out after the flesh, but after the spirit. Can I just tell you, something came over me the other day as I'm sitting in my office, and I began to think of people in this church, and names and pictures of faces began to fly before me. And I said, God, I know some of their stories. He says, I know, but the black stone is getting ready to turn white. judgment-free zone. But can I just tell you, this church has entered into a judgment season. And the judge has stepped to the front and he has pulled out the white stone. So I said, okay, God, how can I use this to help this people? So we're going to do something to close out this service. I'm asking my wife to come. And if you'll just stand. Oh, she looks precious. Just don't wake her, but stand in front of her. I took my glasses off because now I can't see any of you. <laughs> you are all a massive blur. The next 10 minutes are not, this is up to you, entirely up to you. But my challenge to you is to accept it and step into it and see what God has for you because where we're going is powerful. So what I'm gonna do is I'm asking Randy and Taryn if you'll stand right there together, right behind them, Dwayne and Carol. Something happened last Sunday after church, and that's why I'm using these four. And there's a couple others, but they're gonna get probably used elsewhere here in a minute. 
and some are out of town. But here's what we are going to do. We haven't done this in a very long time. Oh. Okay. This is going to be an old-fashioned, what we used to call a prayer line. But this is... This is a stoner line today. <laughs> I am going to, as you walk through this, they're going to walk through first and then they're going to join us. And then I'm going to invite people to stand and you just begin to come and we're going to hand you a, a white stone and then you just find your place over here in the presence of God and you just take care of business with God. And then what I want you to do with this stone, I want you to put it in your pocket. I was going to say put it in your, don't put it in your purse because I know that those are the bottomless pits. Okay? I, I, I mean, you need to put it somewhere that you're going to see it. Somewhere that you're going to experience, put it in front of your bathroom mirror, put it in your car, somewhere where all this week you can look at this and remind yourself, my name is written in stone by God Almighty. And I have been declared not guilty. Yes. I have been declared a time of celebration. I have been declared a time of provision. I have been declared a time of miracles, signs, and wonders. I'm going to be getting hidden manna from heaven this week, however that manifests itself. In Jesus' name. Whoa.